Welcome to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray. I am your host, and I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you guys for coming into the Housing Hour and starting your weekend off with us. I hope you have a, a nice hot cup of coffee, and uh, boy, it's been cold last week. Hasn't a little it? chilly. <laughs> yes, so that might be just what the just what you needed this morning. So Mark and I had been talking about what possible things that we would like to explore this week. And, you know, there's a lot going on, certainly. Um, and we have a lot of things to talk about. Um, I do, before we get to our topic, I do want to point out our website for you and a couple of other things. Um, thehousinghour.com, you can go and you can explore um, all of the the series that we have done in the past. Um, there's so many. There's lots of great, great series that we've completed. The inner energy efficiency in homes would probably be a really good one to pull out right now. It's topical. Very, very topical and not tropical. <laughs> it's not, well, it could be if you do it correctly. Right. So, um, But that's one, I tell you, we spent um, a really large amount of time, I think, you know, last year and the year before, focusing on, you know, how we can be of help. So that's a great series. Um, also, the Healthcare USA, it's very topical as well. Um you know, and that has a lot to do with what's going on, and you know, everybody in Washington's talking about it. And we're going to have some future guests coming in, uh, yeah, authors, and you know, mm-hmm. unwrap that a little bit more. And, and I tell you, um, I would recommend, and I can't pronounce her name; I could barely pronounce it the day of. Yeah. Um, but the lady, the the lady was from Austin P. Yes, um, she was the excellent. Professor. She was she, excellent. She was very good. So those are some of the things that you can find. And the thing that we um, wanted to talk about and dive into is the, actually in the series, Liquidity Factor, the Liquidity Factor series. Um, and I'm going to um, probably let Mark um, kind of frame what our topic is. But just to give you an idea of what this what this is and the topic that we're going to be discussing, because um, in the United States, you know, you have Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, who are the vehicles, if you will, for lenders like Mortgage Investors Group to be able to lend money to the public. Um, it is the vehicle that we use because they are the central depository where people invest money and the mortgage-backed securities. So we're going to talk a little bit about that because it's so very, very important to the future of housing. And then as as the housing goes, how you know the economy goes, so housing being such an important piece. You know, it boils down really all, all the way down to you know, your, your family, because if you don't have communities growing, you don't have money to be lent, then there's going to be a lot of struggling businesses. If we can't make sure that we take care of this liquidity factor. And Fannie Mae has controlled 90% of the market right now is they're, they're doing the mortgage loans for 90% of the market, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So they have a huge piece of this uh, liquidity uh, side of mortgage lending. So the question is, as you know, that Senator Corker has a bill out there to reform mortgage lending with through Fannie Mae and take some actions there. There's another uh, act out there called PATH, the PATH Act. And so both of these are a little bit different in their nature, but the PATH Act is calls for the total elimination. The best I can understand it right now is the total elimination of Fannie Mae. Yeah. And Corker's Act is a, a slow phase-out of Fannie Mae. Now, the, the question is, in order to take a side of this and really to understand, you need to go back in history and look at the liquidity factor through history from from the time of well in the 1800s and understand how we got to this point and understand the importance of li- liquidity factor before you start pulling the plug and throw the baby out with the bathwater and that's exactly what you're what you did when you wrote that blog that's exactly what i did factor so um for those of you who are listening and you want to know more and we're going to discuss it, but if you want to dig deeper, you can go to thehousinghour.com under special series, and the second to the bottom, right before or right after 
Um, well, I already clicked it, but it's on that tab. You can go there and read the history. He has a three-part series. Four. It's, it's a four-part series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so so set up for me, Mark, so that we can understand it. Um, you know, you talked about going back to the 1800s because money has always been one of those things because people need to buy stuff. People need to buy large, expensive things, and not everybody has the financing available. Well, and so I wrote this thing back, you know, maybe nine months ago, six, nine months ago. And then this past weekend, the National Association of Realtors in San Francisco has a convention that was going on. In one of their pieces, uh, breakout sections, or maybe it was the main event, they had a a board uh, made up of professionals, and they discussed – um, this topic of getting rid of Fannie Mae or keeping Fannie Mae or some combination thereof. And one of the uh, the uh, persons talking was named David Min, who's a former Senate Banking Committee counsel to Senator uh, Chuck Schumer. And he said in his mind, the post-Depression era, and I'm quoting, the stability of the housing finance market to the federal government, if you point back to the post-Depression era, and that's where you have to start. Um, now, in the liquidity factor, we kind of go before that and get in and start bringing it up to date. But it's incredible that somebody hit the same topic and looks at what's happened to the liquidity. How did we get to this point? You have to understand exactly where our company has been and the philosophy that we've had through the presidents to, to today mm-hmm. before you can start pulling the plug on this stuff. Otherwise, yeah. you know, he asked the question he says 90% of the mortgages uh, are, are through Fannie Mae. Where would we be without that? Yeah. Kevin, where would we be without that? Well, we would be in big trouble because, I mean, you look at what was before that and you look at how we um, basically collapsed upon itself and everybody talks about what is the solution well, the solution, just like Brian, that we had from um, to, yeah. what was National it? Real Estate Post. Yes, National Real Estate Post. You know, he talked about the long history of Fannie and Freddie doing very well in the market and being profitable and doing exactly what it is that they were created to do. And so you have this two years of not being profitable. Can't we just give them a mulligan? Yeah. That was exactly what he said. That's exactly what and, he said. Um, you know, because any company with that record, they their CEO would be just propped up as being one of the major, you know, uh, you know, American heroes, really, in business. Right. I mean, it, because it, you have to understand that it is a business, and and they've been extremely profitable and and done what it is they were created to do, really, right. and they continue to do. Because if you don't have the liquidity, you go back, and this is where we begin in the history of it. Mm-hmm. In 1870, you know, in the middle 1800s, there was mortgage banking, believe it or not. But what that was designed for was Western territories, the expansion into the Western territories of the United States. Now, Custer was out there, you know, pushing back the Indians (laughs) and rounding them up, and he didn't do such a great job. But what happened was they wanted expansion, so they had to let money out there. The problem was uh, they only had five, ten-year terms during that period of time. This is late 1800s. And underwriting guidelines were non-existent. So what happened? Mm-hmm. There was just it was a debacle. Everything fell apart. Those all those banks kind of went out of business, and uh, they really couldn't find the properties to go foreclose on anyway because they couldn't remember if it was the tree into the left and right oh, of the oh, big, yeah. you know. So anyway, that that was a debacle. In 1900, there was no there was no national liquidity. There were some banks in local markets doing some lending, but there was no national liquidity. Uh, Avenue. So what would you do if you wanted to buy a home? If you look back at those prices, homes were three, four, five thousand uh, $5,000. Uh, cars were 600 bucks and you had to pay cash. Mm-hmm. There was no other option. Right. So what, you know, so that really keeps the values down. It what keeps was, a lot of if, if, okay. If, if something is 3000 or $5,000, uh-huh. um, how much in today's time, does that some, a math thing that you can do? Quickly? It is. And, yeah. and what that would equate to, uh, $5,000 would equate to about $118,000 today. How much? About 118000 5000 would? Yeah. Okay. We'll see. And that, that gives you an idea. We're not talking about. And $600 car payment would be about, or car then would be about a $14,000 car today. Right. And I see that you lay that math out here for people if mm-hmm. they're interested to understand it. Um, and so that's a very good explanation because when, when people think, well, 
you know, in today's time, that's really just trying to get just a medium sized home. That's not trying to get anything. So you would have to pay cash for that. There's, right. I don't know who out there right now that's listening. I mean, there are some certainly that could pull $118,000 cash out of their pocket. You know, or for well, the barons, the barons during that period of time, the Vanderbilts, right? Uh, you know, all of those big names, the Chase, um, all of those guys who are multimillionaires, they could go around and buy. Why were they buying up half the world? Because right. they could afford it. Because the price was so depressed. Because mm-hmm. there was no loans to jack no up supply the price. and demand. It, there was all supply, no demand. Exactly. Because, throw the price down because the demand couldn't be met. <laughs> there was demand, but it was pent up because nobody could go out there and pay cash for it. And then so. Then what yeah. was the next phase of this? So what happened was uh, we come into the roaring twenties, mm-hmm. right? So we start having the stock market and we have equity build up because people are starting to invest into the stock market. What happens with that? Well, you, uh, as equities start to build up, people start to get a little bit of wealth and they start to loan on margin. So mm-hmm. that's really what happened in the stock market. It starts to bubble up because there's le- the loans are on margin and people are buying stock. Banks are getting fat because all of a sudden you have all this wealth from the money exchanges in the in the marketplace. So banks start to loan a little bit more money. So you have all of this wealth start to building up into the twenties. What was the down payment in the twenties usually? I mean, was it? I mean, because banks were offering home loans, but. But yeah, I, I think a lot of it from what I can f- gather mm-hmm. is, you know, 20 percent down was probably minimum. the norm right. yeah, for, minimum, more. For, for the banks. But I think a lot of folks were borrowing on margins through their stockbrokers mm-hmm. and using that money to go buy some real estate and investments and things like that. And then 1929 happened. Yeah. 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 So what happens right. on t- October 29th, which really burned a lot of people. I mean, I mean, in, in you know, I look, at, I look at the numbers of what was lost in 1929 and they pale in comparison to what was lost in 2008. Exactly. But the pie was a lot bigger. It, that's right. So, so, yeah. So you have Black Tuesday. That's that's what happened with the Great Depression, unemployment and uh, deflation occurred. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of crashed. So all the banks who had all these loans out there, they start foreclosing on people. And most of the banks during that period of time had demand notes, mm-hmm. right? So that's something that went away here, mm-hmm. here recently, you know, right. within the last 30, 50 years. But uh, demand started calling all these notes, too, even if you weren't defaulting. Yeah. Banks were Well, there was, no, there was no legislation or no rules or no underwriting there that was universal. Correct. It, it wasn't. It wasn't uniform throughout all the banks. So you might have had this this cowboy bank over here on one side of the road that was doing one thing, and then you would have the Jake Butcher, so to speak, right over on the other side. So you exactly. didn't have any uniformity. And so what happens was uh, all these uh, all these loans start going bad, and the banks start going become insolvent. So what does the federal government do? They create their own TARP program. Mm, so yeah. they go in and they create— So Bush the, wasn't the first one to think of this. <laughs> no, no, he wasn't because the the Homeowners Loan Corporation and Reconstruction Finance Corporation, are they went in and purchased these bad loans. And so wow. what has— History what, repeating itself. It, it, all through this yeah. is history repeating. That's why you have to go and study history or you're condemned— to repeat it. Yeah, that's exactly right. You have to study history. You have to. That is so true. And that's why the liquidity factor um, should definitely be required reading at all of your elementary schools. Well, maybe <laughs> not elementary, but at least, you know, your high school. Right. Um, so that is, we're going. when we get back from yeah. break, we're going to tackle, we're going to move into something that I think is important for people to kind of understand, which is the human side of it, number one, right? but also for those who are interested so that they can really look at what happened in that post-Great Depression era when the Hoover administration... And, and, and the birth of the savings and loans. That's when they came on. Exactly. And in and, and understanding, and, and you know, we'll have a clip of, of something that will get yeah. people's attention and they'll understand it. So we are talking about the liquidity factor. It's very topical to what's happening today. Um, you know, ha- Housing and the financial market has kind of taken a back seat a little bit to um, the Affordable Care Act, but I can promise you that it's going to become even more of a central issue as we go forward and as these bills to end Fannie Mae um, and Freddie Mac become more of an issue, which will happen hopefully soon so we can get this behind us. Um, So anyway, this is the liquidity factor on the housing hour here with Mark Griffith 
We'll be right back after these messages. Hi, I'm Sue Benson, owner of Title Associates. In today's real estate market, it is more important than ever to have a title company with experience, a company you can trust, and one that conducts business with you in mind. If you're buying, selling, or refinancing, our staff promises to make your closing a pleasant one. If you're a real estate agent looking for excellent customer service, give us a call, 777-1040, or visit our website at tanox.com. It's football time in Tennessee, and if you want to make your house the envy of all your football buddies, come see us at Acme Block and Brick. I'm Brantley Rivers, and with a brand new outdoor kitchen from Acme Block and Brick, your home game day will never be the same. Acme Block and Brick. Our experienced staff can help you from the design stage all the way to the completion of the project. Acme Block and Brick has a wide variety of high-quality brick and stone products, including our Belgard pavers that will match anyone's style and taste. Acme Block and Brick. Come visit us at Acme Block and Brick and let our helpful, friendly staff show you how it's done. Visit one of Acme Block and Brick's three locations in Crossville, Kingston, and Alcoa. Or you can find us online at acmeblockandbrick.com to see how we can transform your game day brick by brick. See what a little stone can do. Acme Block and Brick. Hey, I'm Kevin Ray, the host of the Housing Hour. Please join me and my co-host, Mark Griffith, every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. as we bring you the latest news and current issues regarding the housing market. Also, check out our website, thehousinghour.com, for a treasure trove of information. So join us each week and keep up with the why and why not of mortgage lending. The Housing Hour is brought to you by Mortgage Investors Group. The Housing Hour, Saturdays from 8 to 9 a.m. on News Talk 98.7. Are you in the market to purchase a new home? Many first-time home buyers and veterans qualify for 2 or 4% down payment grants from the Tennessee Housing Development Agency. THDA offers 30-year fixed-rate mortgages insured by FHA, VA, USDA, or conventional loans. For more information, please visit our website at www.thda.org. Don't pay don't find no go rhino shield never paint your house again rhino shield never paint your home again sounds crazy doesn't it jeff and roxanne here as owners of rhino shield our commitment to you is that you'll never have to paint your home again guaranteed rhino shield goes on like paint looks like paint but unlike paint rhino shield will last 25 years and we back it with a written warranty and oh yeah guys rhino shield comes in your favorite color the one your wife wants we have been servicing the chattanooga area for over a decade and now it's time to bring rhino shield to knoxville so call now and get our introductory offer of 25 percent off 865-219-3070 that's 865-219-3070 or visit us online at rhinoshieldtn.com that's rhinoshieldtn.com Don't find no go Rhino Shield. Never paint your house again. Rhino Shield. Rhino Shield. It's not paint. Home ownership matters, and Mortgage Investors Group wants to help you with all your home financing needs. Whether it's a purchase or a refinance, our federally licensed loan officers are ready to help you sort through all the mortgage loan options. So call us today, 800 489 8910 or visit us online at mortgageinvestorsgroup.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution for the past 23 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 109111. This is Halloran. It's a work the deal weekend. Congressman Chuck Fleischman, Monday at 8.05. We'll see if they get a deal. We put the braces of truth on the crooked teeth of talk Monday at 5.30. The Halloran Hilton Hill Morning Show, News Talk 98.7, WOKI. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back to the housing hour. I've got $20 in my pocket. I love that song. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great song. And you know, um, that song actually, um, Kid Kid Bop, I don't know if you ever heard of a Kids Bop or something like that, but they create these songs for, for kids 
without the words that you would normally hear. And so my, my daughter's walking around the other day and I didn't know she had heard it, but she was, she started going, there's 20, I got $20 in my pocket. And I was like, Olivia, what, where did you hear that? And so that's when I learned about kids bop. They completely change all of the words except for some key ones. It's a very, <laughs> very neat little thing. So, and it's a very catchy song. We've talked about that here before. Mm-hmm. So um, we're back here in the housing hour and we're talking about the liquidity factor series that um, Mark had done about nine months ago or so. It's on thehousinghour.com. You can go there under our special series tab, and down towards the bottom, you'll find um, you'll find the four part series. Um, we're kind of right now um, going into part two of the series and talking about the history of um, liquidity and, and what that means to housing and thus our entire economy. So Mark, why don't you set up this next piece? Well, see what, what happened was, you know, so they started buying the toxic assets off the bank's books, but that doesn't supply liquidity into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So Hoover understood it. And Roosevelt, who was running for president at that time, understood that there needed to be some type of uh, liquidity in the marketplace for these loans. Mm-hmm. Nothing existed at the at the time. Mm-hmm. So what uh, Roosevelt did is sign into law. Hoover started this. I don't, you know, that's what I've been saying. He started this process, but he lost the election. Roosevelt came in. He couldn't stump speech I guess. well enough. <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't know that particular side of it. But Roosevelt certainly was a good stump, and uh, he he got up there and he formed the Federal Home Loan Bank. And the main goal of the Home Loan Bank was to supply the liquidity into the marketplace. It's It really benefited the savings and loans. Is that when underwriting was created? Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Uh, that's when underwriting guidelines, of, you know, term limitations, fixed rates, all of those types of things really started to manifest itself mm-hmm. into, the, into the mortgage. Fixed rate, 30-year loans came in a little bit later. Uh, you know, in, in 1934, but we're not there yet. The private sector had underwriting guidelines and some... Yeah, so so the savings and loans had their own. So mm-hmm. basically you can see that the com, uh, the commercial banks were were struggling because mm-hmm. of the Depression. And so uh, the savings and loans were prospering at that mm-hmm. time. And when he changed it and supplied this liquidity, savings and loans took off. Now, remember, savings and loan are... are, are or uh, as a certificate of deposit, their savings accounts, mm-hmm. they're not a full bank. So they didn't right. offer checking and all they could do is loan money. So mm-hmm. they were very structured to what they could do. The problem was that uh, they were in a rate war. And so banks were trying to compete with the savings and loan. The savings loans were whooping them really good mm-hmm. at this particular time. They were offering whatever rates that they wanted to because they were kind of profitable People were pouring into their banks and setting up their cash, you know, savings accounts. Mm-hmm. Well, when that cash gets into the account, what can the the uh, savings loan do? Loan that money out, right, at, at a what, higher at, margin, right. At what um, <clears throat> what level were they able to do to do that? If you've got a hundred dollars in there, how much were they able to loan? Oh, you know, I you know that I. I don't know specifically. Usually, like, I mean, you know, it's, well, it's, I'll tell you this. Um, back in in 1946, um, there about 36 percent of the demand deposits were controlled by um, uh, savings loan. They were loaning, and but they controlled 46 percent of the mortgage market mm. at that particular time. So, you know, if it's if they're if they're uh, paying out savings rate at one percent, they were loaning at three or four or five percent. Right. So right. their their margins were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Now keep in mind, everybody. He just mentioned that that at that time in 1946 that they had 46 percent control of yeah. the mortgage market. And what did we say? Fannie and Freddie had control. Ninety. 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 So if you're planning on ending them, you better have a very good plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah. So the federal government came into the savings loan because they were uh, so profitable in the war of uh, interest rates. They were attracting customers. The federal government realized between the banks and saving loans, they had to intercede. And so they came up with a regulation queue. And who would have not agreed with that? Republicans, conservatives, yeah. Democrats alike. Yeah, they so they, they intervened, but they put some stipulations on both. Whatever a regulation giveth on one end, it taketh away on another side. Mm-hmm. And that came back to bite the savings alone. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But so this really controlled it, regulation Q did. So, but it still gave the edge to the savings loans because in regulation Q, they said, look, savings loan, Roosevelt realized you are our liquidity market. Even though you are private, see the big thing with savings and loans is that it was a small town bank, a little small town savings and loan, and there was 
thousands of these, hundreds of thousands of these, seem like thousands mm-hmm. of them across the country. And they were all governed by little uh, privately owned companies controlled by local personalities. And you know them. Like the Halloran Hilton Hill personalities? Yeah, that no, type I'm of just kidding. You know, <laughs> famous you people and rich people really? in, in their communities. Mm-hmm. Look at the butcher empire, right? Right. right. So, you know, f- people that were well-known, politically well-connected, you know, those they were sitting on the boards. They were making this, the decision. Mm-hmm. So this was a national housing policy that was controlled by the private local folks at every, in every community. Well, we can't have private local folks <laughs> controlling. <laughs> the- he, he, Roosevelt knew it. So that's why he – so he was starting to right. tail in into Fannie Mae. And so what he did was uh, with Regulation Q, it controlled the amount of interest that it paid to their the, you know, people that were saving there. But it gave a quarter percent edge to the savings alone because Roosevelt knew that mm. he had to keep them fat and happy because that was the lending side mm. of the business because they were controlling it and growing. And that's what that's what they were so you know good at. So that's what so Regulation what, what Q. happened? What what became the problem? What what did we you know, when you look at the history <clears throat> What was that brick wall that happened in this time period? Well, you're, you know, the, the second part of that, you know, before, before we get to that brick mm-hmm. wall, mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, we, we want to play a clip uh, from, from the It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Because this kind of typifies, really does, of what the attitude of the savings and loans were at that time. It was a good old boy network, and it was controlled, and there was other people that were not you know, in favor of it, the, mm-hmm. the bigger slum lords who wanted to control, you know, those types of things. But let's play this clip and mm-hmm. then we'll talk a little okay. bit about that. Can you cue that up for us, Landon? Here, you're all businessmen here. Don't it make them better citizens? Doesn't it make them better customers? You you said that, they, what'd you say just a minute ago? They, they had to wait and save their money before they even thought of a decent home? Wait, wait for what? Until their children grow up and leave them, until they're so old and broken down that they... Do you know how long it takes a working man to save $5,000? Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. Yeah, so that's what it was. So Henry Potter who was uh, the slumlord controller of this small town and, and you know, uh, in, in the, it's a wonderful life, called everybody rabbles, which is a lower class commoner. And, and George Bailey, that attitude was that everybody deserves a shot at a mortgage loan. So that was the attitude back then. And what was it that Henry wanted to do, Henry Potter? What, what does he represent? If I Rental. Were to, so he was the person who purchased up yeah, all he, of the all of the available properties. Exactly. And he owned those cash likely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so he, he had he was around. he was nobody's slave in that exactly. terms. Yeah. He ran his own show. He just didn't happen to have the same philosophy that the American dream has. Exactly. And, and George Bailey really typifies of, of the, the period of time, which this was in 1946. This is post-World War II. The whole expansion of World War II when the, the, the soldiers came back and you have Bill Levitt, you know, building Levittown, although he used government loans and to his his. But the majority of the construction post-war uh, construction was done and financed by savings and loans. Mm-hmm. So they played a big part of it. And and it's that whole attitude, that small town bank, I'll make a decision. I knew your dad. I'm, here's a handshake and everything. That was a wonderful way to do business. But Roosevelt knew that things had to change because that wasn't such a great way of for furthering the housing policy. Although everybody needs to get a loan or be able to qualify under certain standards. Now, okay, so because I'm I'm just not a huge you know a movie buff at, yeah. as far as this movie goes, but let me understand this. So Henry Potter was he on the board of the savings and loans? Well, if you had to watch the movie, he took over the board. I have to watch yeah. the movie. Yeah, you kind of have to watch the movie because <laughs> okay. there was some money that was lost because of a relative, and mm-hmm. and so he was putting pressure on taking over the bank, and uh, he caused a rush on the bank uh, because he smuggled or he, he they found some money from George Bailey's uncle, I think, left. Okay, big, so yeah. but anyway, um, he he wanted he wanted to to basically take over the bank. And in his his vision, just like many um, other people throughout the whole country, was not really what it is that we think kind of 
universally right. the best vision for America, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And George Bailey said it. He says, uh, you know, doesn't this make them better citizens? That was the first lines. You know, you're all a businessman. Doesn't this make them better citizens? Yeah. That's what the benefit of home ownership. Right, which is Dr. Our Kim, Kim Manturic. Turek, yep, exactly. She did a well, very good job explaining that, and, and she did the research on why home ownership does make you a better better citizen it does and and so she's and Fannie Mae uses her research that she's called in front of Congress and we had her on the housing mm-hmm. hour and I think we're the only ones that have interviewed her yeah and now she was great. they've written a book and you know the American dream and mm-hmm. things like that but you know that that's a big piece of it so Roosevelt gets elected in 1933 mm-hmm. and so uh, he realizes that this SNL this is the way to go we've got to get to a national liquidity and 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 get it away from the private hands mm-hmm. and and the, those local sectors if you know now we're kind of thinking along the lines of getting it back into the ha- hands of the private sector mm-hmm. so you have to understand where we came from before you start thinking about going back to it well fanny and freddie for people out there that maybe want to understand it is really not right now because they're you know a part of the government but for years and years and years, I mean, they were basically a quasi-governmental program. Yeah. Explain that. Well, okay, 1934, mm-hmm. the National Housing Act was authorized by by Roosevelt. That formed FHA, which is the Federal Housing Administration, which is administered through HUD, Department mm-hmm. of Housing and Urban Development. And, um, and so that also, that act, that 1934 act, also authorized the formation of the government-sponsored enterprises – the GSEs mm-hmm. that includes Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Mm-hmm. That wasn't formed initially, but right. two years later, after and from 1934, two years later or three years later, um, Fannie Mae was formed to purchase the FHAs and securitize them and put them in in mortgage-backed securities on the market. That's when it started in 1937, Mm. Fannie Mae. Freddie Mac wasn't born yet. It was in the regulations in 1934, but it didn't come into 1970. Mm. So what happened was the government thought that the SNLs would start using the FHA loans and supply liquidity into the marketplace through their Fannie Mae. Little did they know. They didn't do it. Yeah, because you had too many Harry Potters. Yeah, well, or and, Henry well they, but see, they had become they had become their own entity at right. that point. They were they were totally freestanding. They were supplying their own liquidity because the savings and loans were selling loans to one another across the state through a private secondary market piece that mm. they were they could just call up Mr. Johnson down there in Florida mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, I got you know million dollar loans. I need some cash," and, and they, they were sell doing, the loans. They were doing Jake Butcher before he was born. That's right. Kind of. Oh, oh, absolutely. Wheeling and dealing. They right. were. They had their own market all mm-hmm. by themselves, excluding the government. The government comes in and said, "Hey, I want to play. I want the FHA." Mm-hmm. But the, and savings loan said, "Nah, no, we nah. don't like that lunchbox. Nah. Get on out of here." Yeah. <laughs> so the banks started picking that up. So, I mean, this is fascinating to me because if you look at, you know, the past and the history of the United States and how it is that our financial market has grown into where it is today. And you, you see the struggle, you see all of the things, very much like the Affordable Care Act and, and how health care has, I mean, everything, it's basically like watching sausage being made, you know? <laughs> yeah. And what do we have at the end? Well, we have a great piece of salami or whatever, <laughs> you know, and, you know, look, but look. And some back, call it bologna. That's right. Exactly. I think there's a lot of bologna. Um, but if you put some hot spice on it, it makes it good. But if, right what I would love for you to do when we get back yeah. a- after the break is let's try to bring together all of the pieces. Yeah, because so that, the collapse of the SNLs yeah, is because that's a huge piece so that we can understand where we're going. Because uh-huh. like you said, we need to understand the past before we can see where we're going to be going in the future so that we can make the right decisions. We're talking liquidity on the Liquidity Factor Housing Hour. Uh, we'll be right back, guys, after these messages. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Kevin Ray with The Housing Hour, and we want you guys to call Josh White at Home Harvest. Josh can build a vegetable garden in your backyard any size that you want, and that's what he does. He can help design a plan for you and your garden. Call Josh today at Home Harvest, and that's at 865-712-2745. Home Harvest, 865-712-2745. 
I'm Sue Benson, owner of Title Associates. In today's real estate market, it is more important than ever to have a title company with experience, a company you can trust, and one that conducts business with you in mind. If you're buying, selling, or refinancing, our staff promises to make your closing a pleasant one. If you're a real estate agent looking for excellent customer service, give us a call, 777-1040, or visit our website at tanox.com. Fall is a wonderful time in Tennessee. Temperatures begin to cool, leaves begin to turn, UT football. And truthfully, what's more fun than raking leaves with your family and letting your kids run through the piles? Mortgage Investors Group wants to help you make these precious memories come true for you. Whether it's a purchase or a refinance, we have the loan to fit your needs. So call us today, 1-800-489-8910, or visit us online at mortgageinvestorsgroup.com. Mortgage Investors Group. Your home loan solution for the past 23 years. Are you in the market to purchase a new home? Many first-time home buyers and veterans qualify for 2 or 4% down payment grants from the Tennessee Housing Development Agency. THDA offers 30-year fixed-rate mortgages insured by FHA, VA, USDA, or conventional loans. For more information, please visit our website at www.thda.org. Market realities in the housing market are making this a great time to buy. Home prices are right. Rates are rock bottom low. It's time to act. But you need a company primed to help you take advantage of the great opportunity. That company, Mortgage Investors Group. Refinancing. First, let's talk about that. What if you could take your 30-year mortgage and turn it into a 15? You could save hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mortgage Investors Group can get it done with payments close to your 30. That way, your house can be paid off before the kids finish high school. If you're a first-time homebuyer, you're going to love Mortgage Investors Group. They have programs where you don't have to make a huge down payment, plus their information is accurate and reliable, and they get their deals done in 30 days or less. Best in the state for 10 years running. Go to their great new website, MIGonline.com, and find one of the 18 locations closest to you. The opportunities are real. The American dream is within reach. Let's get started. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution for the past 23 years. Equal housing lender, mortgage license 109111. Another nice day on the way. For today, look for mostly sunny skies across East Tennessee, highs around 79. From the VLT Local 8 Weather Center, I'm Chief Meteorologist David Aldrich. Obamacare, beyond politics. Every Thursday morning in October, we'll focus on the new health care law. Then tune in November 7th for a day devoted to answering your questions. Sponsored by Neiman Insurance Group. Obamacare, beyond politics. On News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Housing Hour. Thank you all for joining us as we discuss liquidity. Uh, we want to thank you for coming into the housing hour. Just wanted to point out a couple of things. You can um, get this show uh, very soon after we uh, finish here today, um, right on the housinghour.com. Uh, we will have that available for you to be able to share with your friends and family. Um, you can also find us on Twitter as well at the housing hour um, and Facebook, facebook.com slash the housing hour. Um, and then of course the treasure trove, the where you will find uh, the mothership of information. And that is where you can find all of that. And I'll point uh, to the liquidity factor, which is found under the special series tab um, right there on the homepage. Um, and it is down there. You'll see it. It's under uh, special series. And there you will find the four part series that we have been discussing. And the reason we brought this up is is because it's it's coming back into current news. It's coming back and being it's very topical because you have um, a couple of different uh, schools of thought, political um, schools of thought, if you will, on the future of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Uh, our contention is, I think our, our belief is that if we understand the past, then we, it will help us to be able to shape where we go in the future. So we're now kind of at that point when some trouble arises yes. with the SNLs. Yeah, so... It- we had this rate war going in 1966. Regulation Q comes out, and and it kind of structures the SNLs and and gives them a certain advantage in the marketplace to continue lending. But there was some restrictions on the savings and loans. There was they the government was controlling the interest that they can pay 
the customer, and also the interest rate that they can loan. All right, that's important because all the savings and loans have been doing is portfolio, keeping the loans that they make and putting them into their vault, right? Mm-hmm. So they're st- storing them. What happens is in the 70s comes rolling along, right? Um, uh, the government starts Freddie Mac. And they, because the government realized, hey, look, in order to switch the national liquidity to a national market and get it away from the savings and loans, we need to be able to control the conventional piece of this. Well, the the savings and loans, they still didn't bite onto it, and they didn't really participate in the Freddie Mac loans. So that was not occurring. But what happened in the 70s? Do you remember the single thing that occurred in the 70s that was Kevin tra- Ray was born. <laughs> Kevin no, Ray was born. It was just tragic to our economy. Oh, well, that wasn't tragic. <laughs> <laughs> this well, this well, was well, tragic to our economy. What's that? Inflation starts to yeah, take off. Absolutely. And what does inflation do to fix assets? Well, definitely. It rolls, rolls those down to nothing. nothing. I mean, if you look at the Germany situation after World War One, I, I suppose it was. Yes, or, yes, yes, yes. And, you know, they had That's real barrels right. full of money. Hyperinflation in Germany. Not worth a dime. Yeah, exactly. So that's what happens. So the demise of the savings and loans was not because of fraud and misbehavior of owners and presidents and things like what the press, media press. Well, around here, you think of Jake Butcher. You think of, but that was post-1980. Right. So what happened was in in the 70s, what happens is Regulation Q locked the savings and loan into being stuck with fixed rate securities that started to get eroded because the inflation starts to go up. Mm. They start losing their shirts. And you remember, their liquidity mm. was dependent upon them being able to sell to other savings and loans across the country. I mentioned that. Mm-hmm. They were not participating in the federal government. Well, what happened was when they could no longer – when they needed money, each other, no one would want to buy their loans because they were paying 3 or 4%, whatever the interest rate going. But the inflation was way up at 6 7 8% and going up. Their assets stunk. Who would want it? Right. And what happened was the investment Wall Street specialists, the uh, investment bankers on Wall Street, created something called the money market. Have you heard of money mm-hmm. markets that were created then? They were they were not tied to Regulation Q, Kevin. So what happened was they were able to pay the going interest rate based on the inflation rate at the time, and they got all of those people that had savings in the savings and loans they were got bailing. Right. It's called disintermediation. Yeah. That's, that's the that single the thing. Right. That's the word that caused the default of the savings and loan. And at that particular cutting, time- Cutting out the middleman. That's what happened. That's what it is. It, it, so they they fled the savings and loan, and they could not recover. In 1980- Now, refresh. How yeah. did the money market accounts become- it's just created. It's created just created. Uh, the investment brokers and bankers okay. on Wall Street. So the regulation uh, made it allowed it. Yes. Nobody did it up until this point, or Correct. it would have, it or it would have failed along before that. Yeah. All all that was created outside of Regulation mm. Q. The government hadn't been able to control That's, it. That I mean, I don't even know if you would call that an un, unintended. It was unintended. It was well, unintended. unintended for most, but not the people creating it. Right. No, no. They, they were they knew exactly. Yeah. yeah, they knew right. exactly what they were doing. But everybody started fleeing away from the savings loan. This happened in the middle now, 70s now, going did, up to can, 1980. If we look at the um, default swaps or what are, they, what are the default yeah, swaps? Derivatives. The derivatives and the things of the Present, 2000s. Yes, 2007. Is this a comparable thing at all? At, no, not really. Not really? Because okay. this, this is, uh, these are just fixed assets sitting on the books of savings mm-hmm. and loan. And that's dependent upon being able to get more demand deposit customers. Right. They weren't full banks. They just had their little savings Right. Account, but nobody was coming in and putting money in. So all of a sudden, their cash flow starts to go stinky poo. Right. And and they're stuck with these assets, fixed investments for 15, 20, 30 is that year loans. word in the dictionary? It is, it's, it's under, it's <laughs> okay. under S. Um, and and just, it starts to erode. They're, right. they're losing money. They're going down fast. Mm-hmm. And by 1980, they the government came back and said, hey, you know what? You know, we're going to un we're going to deregulate you a little bit. You can charge what it, or pay whatever interest rate you want to your customers to try to get some of those guys back to keep you afloat. Mm-hmm. But that was only half the story. The other half of the story is they're stuck with all these below market interest rates and inflations eroding their profits on these fixed assets. They could not sell And everybody's blaming Jimmy. Everybody's upset with Jimmy. Right. Yes, and, and, definitely. And so once that happened and yeah. once they deregulated a little bit, then how did that help Then two them? years later, well, 
It only gave, it only <laughs> gave the savings part right. in 1982. Two years later, they deregulated. They realized they didn't do enough. And they said, uh-oh, they're really dying. Mm-hmm. In 1982, they deregulated the second half and said you can do adjustable rate mortgages so your mortgage could fluctuate to match the interest, uh, the inflationary mm-hmm. pressures that are going on. It's too late. Right. And But but what it did do in the second piece of that in 1982, and this is what everybody remembers, by the way, it, it allowed them to use other avenues of business techniques like investment um uh, speculation. Mm-hmm. So they said to the savings loans, you can use your cash now because they were not allowed to before. You can go out and buy property. You can uh, back builders. You can build subdivisions. White water. What was that? About 10 years I mean, too late though, right? Oh, it was, it was absolutely. That was the Clinton era. It was the white water. Yeah, white water. Okay. It was, a, I mean, but the, all those savings loan guys, that's where they came from. White water was a savings loan Where deal. was their lobbyist in the mid seventies to try to get these things available? I think they were there. I just don't think Congress was listening. Okay. I think I think they had it. I mean, you know, but I think that's what we, when I talked to Steve like, Smith, yeah, okay, who's the senior v- vice president of our company, mm-hmm. who was there during that period of time. He, you know, I told him, was it was it the fraud, and was it all of the things that people talk about and and everything? And uh, he, no, he, it wasn't. He said, he, "Here's what he said. He said fraud was symptomatic of an existing systemic problem." That was Steve Smith's quote. And so what he meant by that is that it was already trashed out because of the inflation eroded the profits. This intermediation made all the investors flee to the investment banks on Wall Street. They were left with nothing. And by the time it was deregulated, the damage was irreversible. Mm. And so there we go. That's how we came to really. But luckily. The end. Right. Luckily. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were already in place. Freddie Mac came in in 1970. So the so Roosevelt's vision had come full circle. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac were there to stay in the place because they thought the private side of this would. I, I think they thought the private side of this would fail at a certain point because of the bubble that was building. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Well, they had 46 percent in 1965. 1945. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 46%. Um, and I wish I had like a, you know, a scale or a chart. I'm sure it went down each 10 years. Right. Right. Um, do you recall what percentage they had when they went belly up? What happened to the loans think, that were in their portfolio? You know, by the 80s, 1983, 84, that's when I was getting into the business. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, mortgage bankers, mortgage banks. and uh, That's when they were, blew up. <laughs> they were going in great. In a good way. They were, good way. they were going great. Savings and loans were still kind of strong, but they were starting to, they were, they were disappearing all over the place. Mm-hmm. In 83, 84, you know, everybody was falling. But, but the mortgage bankers, uh, the mortgage banks and banks by themselves were loaning through uh, Fannie Mae FHA loans, VA loans, and conventional loans through Freddie Mac. So the rise of the GSEs. That's when it was. That's when it started. That's really when it started. Go. You have to go to thehousinghour.com because um, Mark has put together in the part four, it has a real good explanation of the rise of the GSEs, which is yeah. government-sponsored entities, right? Yeah, that's go- yeah, okay. government-sponsored. Fannie and really, Mae, Freddie Mac. This was, and I put in here, it took 36 years for Roosevelt's national liquidity vision to be realized. This was the result of it. Mm-hmm. They knew Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, I believe personally, after doing this research, that it was back there in 1934 when he was furious with the banks who were foreclosing on Americans after the Depression. Mm-hmm. Furious. And he was stump speeching all over the country, Roosevelt was, saying, I'm going to fix those bankers. That's what he, basically his mm-hmm. line was. And he wow. did because he switched it over to the savings and loans. So in 1980-whatever, yeah, he probably was in – Wherever he was, well, let's yeah, in, in in saying this is yeah. this is what I saw happening, and that and so and then you know the rise of the GSEs, mm-hmm. and so Fannie Mae, Freddie Mae, Mac takes off. Now here's a one piece that we need to point out. Now does that give too much control to the to the government? Well, they're private enterprises. I, I understand that, but Fannie Mae, I mean, Freddie Mac are privately but, owned. But the Clinton administration put all kinds of pressure on them. Well, um, let's say uh, right. Did yeah. they not because of the the home ownership strategy, the national home ownership strategy, their mission statement? Yeah. As a result of uh, Bill Clinton, and this is in it. It said, "This is our mission statement. We, at Fannie Mae, are in the American dream business. Our mission is to tear down barriers, lower costs, 
and increase the opportunities for home ownership and affordable rental housing for all Americans. That tear down barriers. Mm-hmm. Tear down home values is what it did. What it, what it did is went into the what yeah. became the, the bubble. automated underwriting systems that mm-hmm. came in in the in the later 1990s. Right, and they were able to manipulate the systems to tear down those barriers and get more people approved. Yes, but, exactly. But there was something else that came about mm-hmm. in in 1980s. Were you trying to go into a Bill Clinton um, like no. voice? No, okay. I wasn't going to do that. But in in okay. in 1984, Reagan under Reagan now. Mm-hmm. Okay, is a secondary mortgage market security act. Mm. This allowed for private mortgage backed securities to be formed. That was it in was 80 what? 84. Okay, so that see, was, yeah. See, this is where Fannie Mae and, you know, the debacle of 2007, where we came was mm-hmm. the subprime. Subprimes were not securitized by Fannie Mae. So it's Freddie Reagan's Mac. fault. It was because of this act. <laughs> I'm kidding, all you Reagan fans, I promise. Yeah, no, it, but, but it but, was a result of this act. The right. private label mortgage-backed securities, mm-hmm. these are private companies, um, originated subprime, and there's not very many regulations on this, uh, this act either. Mm. So they were able to do whatever they wanted to do, securitize them, and sell them, just like Jenny Mae. The reason it was formed is to add competition to Je- Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. In 84, you're telling me. I'm telling you it was formed in 1984. Why doesn't anybody talk about that? So, well, because everybody wants to blame Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac for the 2007 debacle. Mm-hmm. They're saying, well, we you just— was, Right. What they were doing now, is— the Fred, Now, let me tell Fannie you what Fannie and Freddie did. tried to get in there. What they, they did get in there. Mm-hmm. Here's here's the loophole that they—Fannie the Fannie Mae did not originate by— Right. Uh, uh, these loans and then securitize these subprime loans. If you have that thought, get it out of your right, head. It's not true. Now, what they did is they used the loophole in the law and went and bought the already securitized bonds from the private label securities, mortgage-backed securities. Right. And they, in b- between 2006 and 2008, they bought $2 trillion or $4 trillion worth of those bonds. And, and they didn't huge. produce. And they didn't produce. And it caused a hole, which then eroded over. And that's when the that came to to really overtake what was a great housing market. And there is so much to this. We well, only have about fifteen seconds, I think, if not twenty seconds. So yeah. what we'll need to do is we'll just need to continue this thought process. But that's where it is. That's where it is. And I mean the housinghour.com is where you're gonna be able to find all this information. Share it with friends and family. We're gonna have more shows over it. We want you to send in your questions. And you guys know that we're here to answer questions because this is a very confusing topic for some to understand, but it's important that you get the word out there. Thank you guys so much. See you next week. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and the why not. You need to know, so come here to find out. This program is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.